Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast, literally all of television. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And we are here to talk about a couple things. Uh, we're going to talk about episode six of HBO's Sharper Objects miniseries entitled Cherry, a uh, incendiary title, uh, considering all the stuff surrounding uh, and stuff we know about the show. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Uh, but before that, we're going to talk a little a little bit about the Stephen King and J.J. Uh, Abrams collaboration, Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to delve into a lot of spoilers, at least I don't think we're going to. Um, but if you want to skip that discussion altogether, there's time codes in the uh, show notes for you to do so, if you want to skip right to the Sharp Object stuff. Um, but let's d- dive into it. Uh, Castle Rock. A Hulu show, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think what platform I watched this on. It is. Um, I've only seen the first three episodes. I believe there's six released. They're, Same here. They're, they're, they're doing one a week now mm-hmm. after they release like the first two or three. Yeah, I think they dropped three day of and then now one a week. Right. So um, I, my impression three episodes in is I don't really know what's going on. It does <laughs> mm-hmm. feel like the first act of a Stephen King book. Uh-huh. Um, it's very creepy. Uh, I really like the casting. I liked the, the Skarsgård kid that the last time I saw him in something was uh, uh, Stephen King's It. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked you know the the John Locke character. I like Sissy Spacek. Um, there's a lot of people. There's just just a lot of talent in yeah. um, this film um, that I think um, it's 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 like a it feels like a. Gr- not a grown-up or adult Stranger Things because that makes it seem like Stranger Things is like a kid show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like, I guess, a Stranger Things featuring an all-adult cast. <laughs> okay. It's not set in the middle school. It's set largely around the prison. Mm. Um, and there's like several... The thing that's interesting about it is there's several interlocking mysteries. You know, like what happened to the black kid and the, the that blizzard what is going on with yeah. the scars guard guy that they we find in the the bowels of this forgotten prison cell um how are these peripheral characters kind of related uh what what what's kind of what what's your kind of opinion yeah i i actually liked it um quite a bit i've only seen the first three episodes like you uh it's it's mostly I guess I was surprised at, at how little horror is actually in there so far. It's mostly like a mystery suspense kind of thing, like a supernatural mystery yeah, uh, kind of thing. And very little horror for a Stephen King right. joint. Uh, but I don't know. I guess Under the Dome didn't have a lot of horror in it either. I also really enjoy getting to see Andre Holland again, who I don't know if you have ever seen him in anything because he was like a, the the co-star of The Nick um, he's the guy that plays the grown-up version of the little boy that survives a snowstorm. Hmm. Uh, he was in, I think, a, a mo- uh, was he in a Prince movie? I feel like, uh, and he was also in like two seasons ago on American Horror Story. He's just a, re- a re- really, really talented guy, and I like his interplay with Sissy Spacek and the guy who's kind of moved in on his mom's territory. Mm-hmm. And there's like Scott Glenn. Yeah, I mean, there's like it, there's nothing horrific, but it's very unsettling, you mm-hmm. know, like that yeah. that relationship, and you know, it's kind of something wrong because his mom's not got her wits all together, and it feels like it's ex- exploitative, but maybe it's not. 
Um, and, and, and like, you know, how is this connected to his uh, being a defense lawyer and yeah. the execution? And how week? is he connected to the person they find? And Right, right. Yeah. Um, there's just like all these, like, I feel like I have four or five bowling balls with a plot in the air and nothing has been connected to, to anything yet. I, yeah. I, I assume this being a Stephen King thing, that there's kind of some kind of overall thing, some kind of supernatural thing that's going to make sense of all these different things. But, yeah. I mean, they play with that, yeah. um, Locke, who that's not his name. It's right. like Lacey or something. Yeah. Uh, certainly has some opinions on it in the series uh, mm-hmm. which i won't go into for spoiler reasons but yeah he's got some ideas uh there, there's there's a lot of uh surprisingly upsetting stuff in this too i think mm-hmm. um there's a scene with a car mm-hmm. uh early on that was shockingly upsetting to me mm-hmm. uh even though you don't really see much of anything it's just very unsettling yeah uh, and then I, I spent a lot of my time in this show looking at people because there is so much star power and going, who is who is that person? Like Rebecca right. from Better Call Saul, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in this. Uh-huh. Or not Sissy Spacek. Uh, Cusack. Um, oh, yeah. Joan Cusack. Right? It's not Joan. It's, uh, it's one of the other many Cusacks in Hollywood right now. I thought there was just two. There's John. There's Joan. There's... Jackie and Alice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Of and course. Cusack, of course. maybe I. I can't remember her name, but she's plays Rebecca in Better Call Saul. Uh, I, I couldn't help but look at some of these people. Obviously, there's Scott Glenn, but when I looked at the guy that they find, and I'm going to leave it vague, but you know who I'm talking about the the main person that the mystery revolves mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm. I could not help but see him as a combination, and I'm sorry because you're not going to be able to unsee this, but Uh-oh. Steve Buscemi. In the eyes. Okay, he's definitely got the Google eyes. And John Mayer in the everything else. The lips, really? specifically, yeah. I'm not... And the hair. You know, I could, if, if, oh, if man. Go John, Mayer John Mayer came Mayer. in here and blew your brains out, I couldn't draw a police <laughs> sketch of him. He's like, uh, Please the don't, default John setting Mayer. for white guy? Like, I, uh-huh. I, I couldn't... Like, I've seen a video or two of him. I've heard him in... Like, he's done a couple of Harmontown podcasts, but I swear huh. to God, I could okay. not describe what he looks like. Uh, yeah, he's pretty His much... His face is like Rorschach. He's just, it's just like, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, I see a little bit of this in him and then a little bit of that, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's who that guy looks like. Interesting. And... Did you ever see Stephen King's It? I haven't, no. Uh, because, you know, he plays Pennywise the Clown. Right. And here he just plays, like, something haunted and haunting. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- I was wondering if I could get past that because he's so evocative and so so malevolent and menacing and i think he's a little bit more i think i i mean is he kind of like a john coffee type is he like like he is he evil or is there something evil being channeled through him or is it just a misunderstood force that has he been used and abused all good questions that the show wants you to ask yeah and there's like this kind of like a religious cult angle that Mm -hmm. like because Locke is a little maybe cuckoo for cocoa puffs but i Mm -hmm. i don't know Uh, And, and there's some some uh shit telepathy kind of yeah. stuff some empathy based Shots Deanna Troy <laughs> yeah essentially uh, there's some of that mixed in there so yeah. I, I don't know if it does feel like and I think this is what they were going for a Stephen King stew yes from what I know of Stephen King's stuff yeah like the way in the same way that like Stranger Thing is largely a, a Stephen King Spielberg mashup this mm-hmm. feels like uh, but but weirdly because they were not at all involved other than the fact that the Duffer brothers grew up watching and reading them as teenagers. Yeah. 
um, this is like the real McCoy, J.J. Abrams, which is essentially, I think, uh, uh, Steven uh, Spielberg had a tag ball removed from him in the 80s, and uh-huh. they took it into a test tube and cloned it, and it became like, you know, a Steven Spielberg... Uh-huh. It's, it's 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 some kind of future on a Steven Spielberg clone. They took that and the actual Stephen King and are and, and actually doing it like official style. Yeah. So uh, what's our plan for this? Because what well, here's what I'd like to do. Mm. There's three episodes out now. Uh, there's another three we haven't seen yet. There'll be uh, the one just got released last night. I think we should watch the next three. Talk about that next week, and then maybe do like every other week, and then have a wrap up thing. Because I'm hoping we're going to get halfway through the series by the time we're through the sixth episode and we can start to figure out what the hell's going on. Because that's the thing, like, this is very absorbing and I'm very interested, but, like, if it doesn't start turning a corner in an episode or two, I'm going to start being like, okay, this is just... I'm I'm having Westworld flashbacks and and just traumatic stress. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I care that, that much about it. Yeah, I will say I, I like that they didn't waste a lot of time with the lead and his neighbor mm. like once they introduce the concepts there they kind of just go into them right right uh so that was good yeah i i don't know it's weird because i do we are we going to talk spoilers in subsequent weeks i think so i feel like once you get past I, your initial impression you have to i feel like that's what yeah, are you talking yeah about? no i think i think this is kind of like more like hey did you know this is happening because you know hulu doesn't get the best marketing uh it's largely kind of word of mouth and, and i know there's been some forum threads on it so i just wanted people to give people a heads up of like hey this is what we're doing so they can either join or decide not to um yeah. maybe even get a little feedback in i don't know tv at ballmove.com um but yeah, I would uh, I would think that next week we'll start talking because there's a lot. There's actually the thing, the biggest thing I'd not, the biggest thing that bothers me right now is like there's a couple world building details like that seem far fetched in like the way the prison is being operated and how they're trying to mm. handle right the not Stephen King's it guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just like blows my mind that that's something that they decided. I don't know. Uh, let, let, let's because, like I said, I don't want to get into spoilers. Uh, yeah. Let's leave it here. Uh, let's talk about some, some more next week. Hey, before we get started uh, discussing te- all of television, uh, I want to take an opportunity to shout out some things that are going on at BaldMove.com this week. Of course, we've got our coverage of Game of Thrones season three, our retrospective summer rewatch we're doing. Um, we are also covering Better Call Saul. Uh, it's fourth season, which has been excellent so far, and we're also doing instant take podcasts on that with an instant talk section. If you were around for the Westworld days, you know that that is a live after show that we do where we take audience questions from our club members, um, and that's going swimmingly on uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, of course, we got Sharp Objects. You're listening to that podcast on the Bald Move TV podcast. Uh, last week, we also did a first-run movie uh, Black Klansman. We usually re- uh, do spoiler-free reviews for everybody and then spoiler ones for the club, but we just decided to set the whole studio on fire and give away the result of our uh, thoughts on the movie to everyone. So if you're curious about our thoughts on Black Klansman, uh, please check that out on Bald Move. And then finally, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday and Thursdays, we get on twitch.tv slash baldmove. Uh, today, Tuesday... Uh, I'm doing a video game uh, session with my son, a father-son Fortnite session. And then Thursday, we're switching to a new format where Jim and I are going to watch a movie, live watch a movie. If you've never been able to participate in the live watch, we're going to be doing that on twitch.tv slash baldmove. 
And the cool thing is, you don't have to watch it live. You can actually watch it uh, anytime within two weeks after we record it, and then it's going to go away. We're actually probably going to archive those for club members. Um, but if you are not a club member and you want to see what a live watch is all about, uh, then tune in on Thursday or anytime within two weeks uh, at twitch.tv slash baldmove and check us. Uh, just just watch us watch a movie, and we can all watch it together and have a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to sharp objects. Um, how do we want to talk about this? Uh, what did you think of this episode, Jim? Uh, I liked it. I liked, um, <laughs> I mean, there's more casual familial abuse, which is a staple of this show. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with the, you know, Camille and Amma rolling and, <sighs> and high on oxy and, and booze and like, uh, every drug you can mm-hmm. think of they've taken mm-hmm. which i feel like Emma might be able to pull off because she's young and resilient mm-hmm. camille with a 30 30 year drinking streak yeah probably a pretty frail body is gonna roll and do oxy and yeah. be extremely drunk at the, uh, she's gonna kill herself doing this yeah i, I thought um, unlike many other episodes, there was a real sense of like dread and danger. Mm-hmm. Like that whole half, last half of the episode, I'm like, because like Emma has been a little bit back on her heels because I don't think she knew exactly how to manipulate Camille. Hmm. But throughout the second half of this episode, I felt like Camille was teaching her exactly how she can be manipulated and how she can be twisted to do things that are outside of her comfort zone and how like. Emma has so few like boundaries of what is and is not acceptable that I half expected her to like try to rape her sister or something. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't have a comfort level that this show wouldn't go there. Yeah. Um in fact I kind of feel like I, I know I've said this a little, but I feel like we're getting a little too cash about incest in entertainment because uh I don't know that the the creepy fathers, uncles, and cousins of the country need any like fucking inflamed uh, any any f- fans of that particular fire. And like, I don't. <laughs> that, that, does this music seem like uh, American culture is getting obsessed with it? Like, I feel like I get <laughs> incest porn shoved down my throat if I ever go onto a tube site. I feel like it's in huh. every single like that's the go-to edgy thing like oh let's have brothers and sisters fucking or mother having an inappropriate relationship with her son or like sister like I, I was very I felt very agitated and uncomfortable as I was watching because I didn't know where the line was going to be the show I don't oh, you're supposed to I mean that's the intention. right but that's what I'm saying that's the feel like I felt like as they are skating and like it, like something mundane like a car could hit them uh, the monster the monster the lady in white could come out of the forest and does the uh, and and eat them <laughs> Uh, or God, you know, God, God knows what could happen. Um, I don't but, know. I, I feel like the unsettling depiction of it in this is potentially less offensive than the heroes, or at least a hero doing it in like Game of Thrones, for oh, instance. Oh, okay, sure. Like that is normalizing it, right? This is not normalizing it. This is saying something really bad incest right. could right. happen at any moment right. and how and you feel really disgusted by that and the fact that you've got the here the people that are in it are in this compromised situation they're not in their best frame of mind and like right. you know camille is just free associating through her entire <laughs> life in the fa- past 30 uh-huh. second or th- past 30 minutes and the fact that she's making such terrible decisions mm-hmm. like roll like like 
I would because I thought maybe another thing to do is like that maybe Adora engineered this that like the Chief Vickers is going to show up and Camille is at a party with underage right. drinking and drug use and she's doing it too. Yeah, she is going to spend like a week in jail and be sidelined from the event. I like I didn't know like but everything it felt like everything was on the table and none of the things on the table were good. Like yeah, from the I'm, moment she went with the cheerleaders through the rest of the episode, mm-hmm. I was uneasy and on edge. Yeah, you were supposed to be. It worked. Uh, I do question why Camille does the things she does in this episode. Why does she go with her sister? <sighs> does she simply want approval? I I feel like... She, I, I mean, I can't answer that question, honest, because I, I yeah, felt the I, same thing. Like, are you... It felt like that she was trying to be protective, like... You know, hey, after the day you've had, you really should, you know, you don't like, you know, you don't want to keep partying when you are ha- like, that's, you know, something mm-hmm. I've came up with a while back. It's like, you know, don't party when times are good, sober up when times are bad, because that's how you wind up with the fucking runaway addiction. And she's trying mm-hmm. to get that sound advice. But then she's like, well, uh, I better keep tabs on her. So it's like it's better for her to do this with me than it is. And then. She's also like that, but that as soon as like Emma started catching her caring about her, that's when yeah. the manipulation started mm-hmm. because then it's like, oh come on, be like I'm doing it. So it's like it's, but it's so bizarre to watch a 15 year old manipulate a 35 year old like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that also like this is part of like the generational thing. Like you know, she knows what it's like to grow up under her mother's house, and she knows how you know uh, how Emma's probably like like sees her as a lifeboat maybe because i wonder how much of at the end of the episode when amma is like i want to come live with you i'm almost out of school like i want to start work i can you know she's like doing this all this fantastical teenage thinking like i can be a shop girl at a boutique or i can do this and Mm -hmm. i can live with you like this is my fucking ticket this is the last chopper out of vietnam (laughs) before the, the, the 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 evil forces of the Viet Cong take it over you know and that that but that's I mean, I, I feel like I've monologued for five minutes on the motivations, but they're all there, you know? Yeah. No, it's – it's it's. Huh, I, I can't quite put my – I can't quite pin down Emma, like who she is, what she actually wants. Because at the end, you know, you're talking about this scene where they're rolling in the yard, mm-hmm. literally and uh, <laughs> metaphorically. Right. Uh, she talks about, you know, these, these bad things that she thinks are going to happen to uh-huh. her. And she's just sitting there waiting. Uh, I I don't know if that's real or if that's manipulation. Is 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 Emma fearful? Yeah. Of of what's going on in this town? Does she yeah. think that either the bad things from her mother are coming her way, or the bad right. things from the town itself with the murders are coming her way? Right. Uh, or maybe her friends. You know, it's where she sense because like here's the other thing. Uh, I don't know how involved, but her mom is somehow involved either directly into the murder or she's covering up someone who was. Yeah, Ashley says, you know, you want to you want to know what happened to Natalie, ask your mom. Right. And you also it's suspicious as fuck that they call Adora at the crack of dawn when they found this thing and she's mm-hmm. out there when it's found and it's her people that did it and it's her employee that eyeballs John. I mean, 
this feel and I, I feel like that's you know that's why the the uh, the Willis character the detective Willis character is here is because he is like us like he's not buying you know the fact that the chief is like yeah you're going home tomorrow because we got this Mexican fella that's going to ID John Keene throwing this thing into and it's like oh really how convenient and even the show itself has chameleon universe saying who the fuck would bury her would yeah. throw this thing into shallow shit lagoon that's going to it's out in the country, but also by the only industrial thing where people would actually go by. Like it just doesn't like it, they're either stupid or they wanted to be. They wanted to be found. I feel like it's probably planted, but it's also actually Natalie's bike, right? Yeah. So that means it was probably planted by someone who has knowledge of the killer or is trying to protect the killer. Who is the killer? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but like I also my Jackie alarms are going off too. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is funny because like warm. I know, like like it was all the rage to be like it's Adora or Jackie in the first episode, and we're like, ah, you know, it's early times, but like I feel like now we're two episodes to go. The the spotlight's starting to narrow on a few people. Certainly, it's not John Keane. I I don't think so. No, there's nothing that even though all this this episode is doing its damnedest to point the finger at him, but only because a bunch of people that we think are intellectual lightweights are uh-huh. g- nattering about it. There's no like yeah. evidence. It's all just like well, I mean, there's the guy who says he saw John Keane. Okay, thing in. you're right. The episode is telling us it's John Keane. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it. I also don't believe it's Bob Nash. I think I'm with you. Like, Bob Nash seems like a guy who I do not agree with the way he sees women or parenting, but I don't think he murdered his child. I don't think so. But then again, that's dangerous because you start saying, like, well, this doesn't guy doesn't act like, what does a murderer act like? What is a person that's outside the normal range of psychology? What kind of reactions do they have when they pull their daughter's shit-encrusted bike out of a shit lagoon? I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like a a natural reaction to me, but... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about where they're kind of not necessarily pointing pointing the spotlight, but, like, things are not quite adding up is Ashley. Ashley, mm. she's obviously all about the attention. Yes. Ashley wants to be recognized for her knowledge. Ac- for Weird as fuck, too. She, she's super weird. And she's got this bite out of her ear, which I think is the blood spot we saw her cleaning up. Possibly, In yeah. the, the pool house a couple episodes ago but yeah that's some some she's protecting john from something what and wants him to be popular for what reason i'm not sure i don't know but like it may like the teeth pulling is an interesting connection to someone that has been bitten yeah like it's that's like why pull the teeth well like, you know, if you're going to be like, well, you little bitch, you're never going to bite me from beyond. I, I don't I, I'm tr- I feel like that, you know, there again, this, 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 I, I, you're supposed to match that pattern that here's someone that's mm-hmm. got a chunk of them, the, their, their their ear missing. And then you got some bodies found that have their teeth removed. Like that's a perf- that's a that's a and we know that it's like a non-sexual crime. Yeah, but it's a crime of like passion, like intense anger or hatred. And I don't know, man, like Ashley at her worst seems like she's capable of that. Mm-hmm. She like flies between, uh, you know, flattery and then retreats in this wounded like rage kind of thing. Um, yeah. She's also like completely fucking uh, out of touch with the pulse of the town. Yeah, like showing up to that party thinking we're not going to be outcasts. We're going, but the hell you are. Like, have you seriously not gone outside and seen what people are saying about your boyfriend? Yeah, no, she seems to be 
hung up on the popularity thing. And this is, I mean, this is very teen of her, right? Like Mm -hmm. her worldview in its entirety is based on popularity. Mm Mm-hmm. And why would someone murder? Oh, to become popular, obviously. That's, but that's such a weird I, thing to say. I know it's such say. a weird, fucked up thing. It, it comes out of nowhere. Like, but like it that's, shows where her head's at. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just know that I don't I don't trust anything that comes out of Campadora, and I feel like everything coming from the pig farm is mm-hmm. totally Campadora. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Because like, the mystery kind of had two forks in it. There was the, you know, what happened to... The, the the Anne and Natalie, which has been going on all season, but we also see Detective Willis investigating Camille. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take took it that Adora actually did talk tell him about the cutting because I felt like hmm. um, he was asking probing questions about that, and the doctor didn't really give him anything. Um, to make the leap that he does with Jackie later on when he says, you know, he says, you know, interesting choice of words on on the word carve. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, like, I guess there's three mysteries because there's also, uh, well, I guess four. <laughs> what happened to Anne and Natalie? Uh, the, what Camille considers the unsolved case of the lesbian murders. And then, um, shit, was the other? Oh, what happened to um, Camille's other sister? Mm-hmm. Because I'm starting to get like a Manchowson by proxy kind of thing. Can you? What is that exactly? So Manchowson syndrome is where you just invent things that are wrong with you to seek medical attention or sympathy. Manchowson by proxy is where you have a child or like an elderly person that you surreptitiously make sick, oh, okay. so that people yeah, yeah. can have sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like it. There's a couple things that this episode said, like when uh, Jackie and Willis are talking about the roommate dying. She was like, how'd she die? Poison. And, like, I felt like there was a little gleam in Jackie's eye. Uh, also, the mm-hmm. fact that, like, we found out that uh, Marion, is that their name? Marion, the sister? Um, Camille's other sister that died? Mm, probably. I can't um, remember. But But the fact that, like, she was always a sickly thing and... That doesn't match my viewing of her. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like we've seen enough of her to, like, most days she was fine. Did yeah. Adora do the po- overdo the poison that one day? Was it a progressive thing? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm i starting to wonder that. Yeah. I mean, all reasonable questions to ask, I think. Right. Uh, I took the poisoning comments to be more of a reflection of what Camille is doing to, to herself. herself. That's, yeah. Because, like, they cut right sure. from there to her going to the gas station to pick up booze. For sure. And also Jackie. I mean, Jackie is loaded, and she has been this whole series. So, right, right. Yeah, I think they're both slowly... It's just a little a little more slow Yeah. than, than Drano. I thought it was interesting that Jackie didn't know about the roommate incident. Uh, I would have uh, thought that Adora... Or I wonder if that means Adora doesn't know. Because we also found out that she checked out against medical advice as a result of that uh, horrific incident, which I can kind of understand. Like, I'm in here to be treated for this. My roommate threw up all of her guts, and then I had Uh an immediate relapse. Like, I want to get the hell out of here. Like, at the very least, a different treatment facility. But I still don't don't know how long ago that happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, They talk about it being a recent. I think this is the incident, yeah. Um, So I'm back to my theory of this happened no more than six months ago. Yeah, six months, a year. I could, I could see somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, what else do we want to talk about? There's so much stuff about. Um, there's a lot of fascinating things we found out about Alan this episode. <laughs> 
like in his little Allen cave, he makes his sad little pull-out bed every day. He's got a primo collection of vintage erotica. Um, was, that, was that erotica or was that music? I thought that was those were records. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that was vinyl. I thought one, and one of them for sure was a magazine, uh, okay. a, a, a pictorial magazine, and it seems like the kind of like 50s Betty Page era. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's some naughty bondage and discipline. Maybe Ooh. there's just cheesecake po- poses of girls in nylon stockings, but it seems like <laughs> the kind of thing that a guy like Alan would get down on. Yeah. And the multiple levels of manipulation here. Like, Dude, that porch scene. Both oh. of those porch scenes are Fuck. Seeing it completely from that this side of the ca- like like the Adora side of the camera where she's like oh she's a menace even to the lawn and like mm-hmm. should I say something oh why cause a scene dude like bitch please that's not why you're showing restraint here you no. are storing up mm-hmm. ammunition right. for later when you can most devastate Camille with right. an oh and don't park on the lawn right right kind of thing <laughs> and also like get you know and then the fact that like she says after because that's the other thing she has this horse shit thing where she got up early and she avoided camille mm-hmm. knowing full well what she's doing and then she pretends this whole thing well i'm not a source and blah 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 and then when camille calls her on her bullshit and gets stonewalled she stomps off she's like she's out uh state or welcome and alan just like backs mm-hmm. her up and says oh well would you tell her how you feel oh my god like getting alan to do her dirty work yeah and he does uh-huh that doesn't go how he expects no it doesn't but on the other hand like you know D- dora comes back home later and it's like well i guess you didn't do your thing and he's like yeah i did i'm uh, but he's kind of drunk and he's kind of throws it back to her also did you not notice that your daughter hasn't even been back mm-hmm. like both your daughters in this case but it's so weird because adora is like this little ghost that skulks around like she when the girls came back up she was like yeah. full knowledge of what they were doing um, I don't understand how she can be this aware of what the hell is going on in her house, but still play the game that Adora or that uh, Amma is this little living doll that she's got. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off to the Alan subject. There's a lot of interesting things where we find out about uh, Joya, yeah, the 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 witch of of Wind Gap before Adora became the witch of Wind Gap, and how fascinating detail that she used to pinch Adora and and, and 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 like these type of people have these perfectly plausible like oh I'm I love you so much that I just I just I'm scared that you're that you're dead in your sleep so I'm gonna pinch you real hard and how Alan can clearly see the malice and venom mm-hmm. in that act but he cannot see how Adora <laughs> is just paying that shit forward or maybe he yeah. does see and it's just like hey man I'm not gonna do anything that reduces my odds of sleeping with my wife even one percent mm-hmm. and how he's like learned the whole passive aggressive game because he's like you know trying to finesse camille and she's just not having it mm-hmm. um yeah it's funny she would never take the tone she takes with alan with her mother which i don't know that just struck me yeah it's a whole different like like i mean it's weird because she there is the definite hint of that bratty kind of teenager with alan but it's yeah. a it's more of an in-charge bratty teenager that knows mm-hmm. that Alan can't do shit to her, where she's a bratty, whiny, like, desperate teenager, and she's dealing with her mom. Yeah, exactly. But it's still, like, a regression to... And the other thing is, like, my, my wife pointed this out. 
she gasped when Adora was going to sick Alan on Camille. She's like, man, do not make the man who remembered his stepdaughter's birthday while you were in your fucking episode. Do not make this guy roll tough on his stepdaughter. Yeah. Like, what a shitty... Like, left to his own devices, it seems like Alan tries to do the right thing, or at least... It seems like it, yeah. Not the wrong thing, other than maybe maritally, maritally raping his wife. Um, I, I don't know that saying that he cares is fair, yeah. but he at least keeps up appearances while not being an asshole, unlike yeah. uh, Dora. He might be a sociopath, on the other hand, though, because yeah, he just... I mean, he could be the killer. We'd, uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I mean... You know, that, that... ask your mom, we'll ask your stepdad, too. Yeah, maybe that's... that's uh, Well, who knows? Who knows what things they're covering up for that fucking ivory floor? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, do we want to talk about um, the train wreck that is uh, Richard and her's relationship? Because I really like they were doing cinematically, mm-hmm. like the the morning after, like you know he's got his whole fucking his canvas of smooth out. skin, and she's like looking at it and kind of running her fingers over it, and you know, like it's I felt like it's an inversion of the normal story you'd get, like the hard bitten detective wakes up after having uh-huh. his way with the lady, and he's got the, he's discarded like dude with personal problems and she's like the virginal kind of and like i felt like it was an interesting inversion of that yeah uh, archetype do you um what's he doing with the flannel uh because if 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 my if my theory of him knowing about the scars are correct then that seems like a kind of a bullshit move but yeah i don't think he knows about the scars really um, especially he might at the beginning of this episode because mm. um, i thought uh, my theory is adora told him last i don't episode. No, i don't think so Adora just gave him enough threads to pull that he could figure it out. Yeah, that seems Adora's style. So, so do you think uh, that Camille is wrong in that he was fishing and he was just offering the flannel? Or maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because the other possibility is, like, if I heard that a woman was a cutter, I wouldn't assume that she was, like... Oh, yeah, all the way. <laughs> I, I wouldn't assume that she's like Camille. Right. Like, I would expect there's some scarring, yeah, like, in out-of-the-reach, yeah. right, out-of-reach areas, or some, but, but yeah, like, the full-body canvas is, is would be, a, uh, I think, a surprise to most people. It's definitely extreme. Which makes it suck all the more for, um, for, uh, Camille. Um, so, there's other, another couple interesting things. I don't know what to make of, um, Camille's hair length, because my... <laughs> My theory was that she started the cutting and all that as a reaction to being gang raped by the football team, um, mm. but I I don't I don't know I don't I don't know it certainly can't be a reaction to her sister's death because we've seen them together yeah. with the short hair. Mm-hmm. We also saw Camille like burst in with her uh, burst in with her like a like a plump, plump juicy cherry yeah with her but she's got short hair so was that yeah. like freshman year and then long hair Camille is senior year. Could be, yeah. Four Cause years like, is cause a long like, time in Wind Gap. Yeah, because I guess I was I, – all of these flashbacks were kind of, I guess, assumed over, like, one particular school year, but I don't know why I assume that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Um, the other scene we need to talk about is the cheerleader get the reunion. Oh, Jesus. This – What a fucking train wreck. I mean, can you imagine being – like, I used to have friends like this. Um uh. In, especially in, in the the uh, community I grew up with, and you were kind of stuck with them. It's just like, oh, I guess it takes all types to go around. But these are literally the worst people, mm-hmm. the ones that urge you to spill their guts and then use that as a weapon against you. And they're just like... It's like, uh, I don't know. 
kind of like Scientology. Yeah. In a way. Like, yeah. come confess your secrets. Unload yourself. And right. Then so that we... We can just keep you it just gives locked our, in a cage. It's, it's just like this, this enmeshment. These tendrils are just, like, tying yeah. you all together. And, like, Camille's just like, nah, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Type of person that will have a bottle of, uh, I don't know, is it the Gentleman Jack or Woodford Reserve, and she's trying to drink and drive, but then kind of subtly judge Camille for gulping it down a little too fast and... You know, the ones that are like, feminism means we get to choose the kind of women we want to be, which is true. <laughs> Good on them. But then, then the next scene, smash cut, too. But then the next scene saying, well, if you really think about it, babies are what we're created for. And, you know, no one can possibly understand what it means to be motherhood or loss unless it's through that prism. Oh. It's like, well, feminism for sure doesn't say that bullshit. That's like yeah. the total, like, you just shut the door on the other type of woman that you could be. That happens to be yeah. the person that Camille looks to be. Ah, this. No, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, and I thought like these people like some of the problems they're having. Like you know, I got to go back to work, right? I want to go back to work because I kind of feel like I've only got I you know all my kids are in school and this house dirty little secret doesn't take that much to maintain. I'm really fucking bored and unfulfilled. But I also work sucks, and then the other one, like her husband, won't let her have any more than four kids. Like this is four is enough, man. Right? Four is four is plenty. Right? Yeah. I boy, that that seems like I just feel sorry for everybody involved, you know. And then there's the scene where the guy from from the tent during uh, Calhoun Day comes back up to her. Right, um, and he wants he wants some kind of absolution here. That's what he wants, and and Camille gives him false absolution, which in itself is not absolution, right? It's like, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I, I'm not worrying about it. Forget about it. Yeah, the it, guy's not going to forget about that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because he, I think he wanted like the like we were talking about that on, on um, shit. What podcast were we talking about? The instant podcast of Better Call Saul. Like sometimes people like unload as a way of like verbally throwing up on a person and mm-hmm. like, oh, thank God, I feel better. But Camille, it, it's interesting because everything she said to this guy, who's the music p- teacher or whatever, is consistent with what she said to Richard about the experience. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know whether it's the anxiety of having this guy, like, I don't know, because I guess I'm trying to figure out what really, like, what what does Camille think happened and yeah. what really happened? Because this guy thinks that what they did is gang raper mm-hmm. and she seems like what however maybe she doesn't see it that way or maybe she's just not interpreting that way as a survival mechanism right right it's impossible to know yeah. exactly how she feels about it but she did seem troubled but it could be explained by just how inappropriate this guy was being because mm-hmm. uh, like i felt like she he was kind of borderline hitting on her at the Oh, at the Calhoun Day. But maybe he just wanted to have this conversation with her, and now he's in his own house, and he's sneaking around his wife, and she's kind of, like, off balance for that, and then he hits her with this thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I wonder if... I don't know, because there is a very strikingly different tone between this encounter and the Calhoun Day encounter, and I, I wonder if, like, he has been, in a a weird, gross way, like, fantasizing about that for many years but also feeling shame and when she doesn't reciprocate when he tries to indulge in that fantasy at Calhoun mm-hmm. Day mm-hmm. then he comes back with the shame that he feels you know right uh, maybe he's trying to to figure out which of those feelings is going to win yeah and 
Man. Neither. Neither, apparently. They're both going to be there forever. Yeah, and like he's Good like, luck, well, I'm dude. just like, it haunts me. And she's like, what do you what do you say to that? Like, yeah. I, I thought her response, like, it sounds like we both got fucked and uh-huh. was, was perfect. But, like, what was, I guess I would like to know in his perfect world what he was hoping to happen, to get out of that. Um, because I, I honestly don't know. He just wanted to, I, it does feel like she just, he just wanted to get from her, like, yo, you know, boys will be boys. I'm perfectly happy and well-adjusted, and it's all okay. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's what he wanted to hear. But I don't know. Maybe he... Uh, it, and she says that, but in a way that I don't think he'll buy it. Do you think... Because now that I'm saying this out loud, I feel like maybe he should be on the short list of subjects. Because here, here's mm-hmm. a guy who has got a lot of strong... But a, a lot of strong feelings about, like, men and women and... Maybe like revulsed by kind of sexual acts, which explains why. But like, why would he? Why would that cause him to prey on little girls? That's the and what's the connection to Adora? Because there's definitely some kind of. A connection. I still don't know. We're two episodes away from the end of this thing, and I'm still not really leaning hard toward a, a specific suspect. Right. Right. Um, it's got to change next episode, right? It, it's. I mean, I don't know because like that's the whole point of the mystery. The to to the longer you can keep people guessing back and forth um till the end the better the mystery but on the I other mean, hand yeah. you can <laughs> get like um an orient express where mm-hmm. like you have to solve it with 15 minutes of exposition right. in the final act because yeah. they didn't there there wasn't enough there there maybe yeah i still don't feel like all the pieces are on the table to where you even could piece it together right um i, I think there are some more pieces and I wouldn't be surprised if we get, like, a jumbled mess of all of the pieces next episode. Right. And then in episode eight, they can kind of connect the dots. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the scene with Emma and uh, Camille that's the bulk of the final half of the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. The First of all, Rolling Roulette, bravo, teenagers. That's a pretty fun name to give a, just a scary, dangerous game you're playing. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I got to say that I thought they really nailed the mindset of you like like being on this drug that's super fun and less than ideal situations. Mm-hmm. Like because you know when she's like kind of losing herself in the skating, uh, like it alternates between like intrusive, scary thoughts and like feeling like you know everything's good. I thought that was interesting, and then the the specific tactics that Amy uses to manipulate. Um, that I want to call attention to because like when ever Camille gives her resistance, she puts on this. She starts with like a pouty thing, and then. Like, by the end of the episode, when Camille says, look, I just don't think it's a good idea for us to sleep together, like, I am a respond by immediately cutting off all contact and stomping away angry, to which Camille feels like she has to then can't leave it that way, so she starts to make, you know, try to make up with Am, and then as soon as Amma gets what she wants, she immediately goes with, like, an over-the-top expression of love and affection, like mm-hmm. that love, like that like that shunning love bombing is, like, a technique they use to condition you in cults, for example, mm-hmm. and, you know, it works like a champ, or something that's drunk, high, and on oxy. <laughs> um... But 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 yeah, I I just thought that like you see all these different manipulation tactics and um, it's weird though because I've never seen Adora use those particular ones and I wonder because like is, is some of this stuff that she figures out on her own because like oh, you know boys are easy just let them do things to you and you're the one that's in control and I thought that was interesting because I felt like Camille could have been in there and like until you're not. 
mm-hmm. because like maybe it's fun when you're letting a guy go up your blouse or you're trying to fuck an individual for just like sport but like what happens if you're getting gang raped by a bunch of do you feel still feel in control then i don't know right um and there's a yeah. lot of a lot of weird stuff with you know emma and her sexuality in this episode least of which is you know kissing her sister right uh in what felt like a sexually charged moment yeah um so and then there's the stuff with john right where she's out by the she's pool and she's trying to seduce john just to hurt her is that, friend right i and i guess i don't know to what end i don't quite know the relationship between ashley and amma it feels predatory because, like, I, I got that feeling because there's a scene when, like, her and Camille were rolling on in multiple levels. They were rolling on skates or rolling on Molly um, mm-hmm. where, like, Amma came by and she's doing, like, some kind of, like, Batman dance. But she looked very predatory. And there was, like, almost like a, a like a guttural roar they put in the background. Like, she was, like, a wolf, like, stalking her. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's, like... She's got nothing against Ashley, but, like, Ashley's stepping out of line by embracing the John guy and causing trouble. So Amma just sees, like, I could fuck this guy and destroy the relationship with zero repercussions because I've taken the temperature of the town and everyone hates these people. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can de- I can do whatever I want and I, it's never going to blow back in my face. You know, I mean, Amma does like pushing buttons just for the sake of pushing buttons. Like she says, like, I can get these girls to do what I want, but yeah. they don't like me. And mm-hmm. they talk about the whole Machiavellian thing. Um, I mean, the stuff with, you know, where uh, Richard and Camille are out mm-hmm. at night and Amma comes up and just starts being a fuckface. Like, right. She Trying does to that here Richard in the pool, for, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. she's getting under everybody's skin. And mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to have an actual purpose to it. Right. Other than making people feel small and being in control a lot like her mother i wonder if part of this is just um the i like how because i certainly can't relate to being a kid that had no rules put upon them no restrictions (laughs) sure but i do feel like that i've heard it told that like kids without any restrictions like this is a a wealthy young woman born into a rich and powerful family in a very impoverished powerless part of the country and, like, maybe she's desperately trying to find that limit. Like, Jesus Christ, do I have to kill a person before someone will tell me in a stern Two voice people, no? maybe? <laughs> like, like, seriously, like, I, I, you know, how do people, like, uh, any kind of sociopath, you, you like, uh, how do people, you know, there's something missing in, like, you know, people that have, like, immense privilege and have never been checked. Like, they just, it doesn't occur to them because why would it? No one's ever told them no. Um, it gets to a point where they become monsters and people are afraid to tell them no. And then, like, essentially they run free until they fall, they, they cross the invisible barrier that you can't cross in society. Like, they mm-hmm. kill a person and they leave evidence. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I don't know, but she is a... I feel like Amma could go either way. She could be a very damaged person that has deep physical and psychological scars like Camille. And they even play with the idea that, like, Camille is very frightened that Amma will do that, and now Amma mm-hmm. knows it, and she's starting to use that as a form of manipulation. Right. Um, but she could become like her mother, or she becomes something else, like something far more scary and predatory than either of those possibilities. And she's like a like a coin that's on the edge, ready to fall heads <laughs> or tails. Yeah. Um, but like I said, she is, and it's it's. I thought it's interesting to have like the ghost of her sister. Uh, which is the first time in a several weeks where I thought they're playing with the supernatural thing. I, I don't think so, but like it did feel like creepy, like you know you're not safe here. Mm-hmm. And they kept on replaying like Emma talking about Camille being the danger. That would be a classic manipulation tactic. That would be a classic gaslighting to 
preemptively accuse someone of being something that you are. Yeah. So they're defending themselves against it, and it puts the idea that you are that thing far out of their mind. Yeah. So, I don't know. Lots of uh, gaslighting and projection going on. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, or should we get to feedback? No, I think I'm ready for feedback. Hey, before we get to the feedback, I want to mention uh, our club, because the reality is it's a it's a lovely Tuesday afternoon. If it weren't for the club, I would be writing code in some cubicle in some office building somewhere in downtown Cincinnati. Would not be recording a podcast on sharper, god damn it, sharp objects. <laughs> Why am I always trying to sharpen these objects? They're, they're clearly sharp enough to cut human flesh. Yep. That's as sharp as you need to be, as sharp as any object needs to be. Uh, we wouldn't be doing a Sharp Objects podcast. We wouldn't be talking about Castle Rock. It'd be a sadder, grayer existence for me personally, maybe for some of you. And if that describes you, maybe you'd be interested in supporting us by going to the club. Uh, club.baldmove.com. Not only do you get the smug satisfaction of knowing that you're keeping us out of cubicles writing shitty software, uh, but but you're also getting a lot of cool features for yourself. Extended uh, or entirely new uh, bits of extra content, video versions of our podcast. You can participate in our instant talk podcasts and our fabulous uh, lunchtime extravaganzas, Lunch with Jim and Aaron on Fridays. You can participate on, with those on the forums or through Twitter. Uh, go to go to club.baldmove.com. Check out all the offering. Uh, try a few features for free on us. And you can also try a 30-day membership for free Go to club.ballmove.com. All right. So the feedback we're going to consider uh, first is like weeks prior, um, stuff that we got after we recorded our last episode. First up, Dave, you wondered how they did Camille's scars on the show and whether it's CGI or if they're actually applied to Amy Adams' body. The reporter, a Hollywood reporter, did an interview with a makeup artist who actually used uh, to apply the scars to Adams' body. Uh, included this uh, Hollywood Reporter article, which I will put in the show notes for people curious about it. Um, the summary is the makeup takes about two and a half to three hours to apply. Uh, and Amy Adams says she uses this time being almost naked and vulnerable to get into Camille's headspace, which is something we speculated on last week. Yeah. Uh, there's only 50 words that are in the book um, that are mentioned. So they had to come up with a kind of brainstorm 350 to 400 to get coverage of her entire body. That is right. Bigger. Yeah. Right. Right. right bigger. Yeah. Think bigger, not smaller. Uh, to create them, they had Amy Adams body double use a magic marker to write a list of words on herself. So the angle and size Ah. of the words would be accurate. Good. Yeah. Uh, they state that there's a big spot in the middle of her back that does not have scars because she couldn't reach, which was something I was curious about. Cause I'm like, are there scars like, like literally all over the body? Because like I think if her back is completely covered, she'd have to have help. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really important for us. This is a quote from the makeup artist. It's really important for us to show that this woman is in pain. The scars aren't just cuts. They are themselves signifiers and signs. They are literal. They have meaning. They also provide a meta narrative. They're another narrator to this story, which I thought is interesting since most of these words have the, uh, you know, a deep connection to the plot. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about the cherry thing because um, the other cheerleader that Amy Adams was with, and I can't recall her name, um, mentioned... The, the literal only black woman in, in all of Wind Gap. In all of Wind Gap, right. Which, where are they again? Missouri? Uh, yeah, southern Missouri. Is that is that accurate? I, it, maybe. In, I think it's in pretty white in any yeah. rural part of America, to be to be honest. Becca. Yeah. Becca's her name. Okay. Um that uh that 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 she said that like you know we are also shiny and luscious on the outside but hard dark pits on the inside mm-hmm. like 
That's that's a hell of a poetic turn of phrase. Um, Emma B, when Camille first met Bob Nash to talk about Anne, he tells her story about his daughter and how she is so willful that when Anne's mom wanted to curl her hair, she chopped it off the night before. Mm-hmm. Later, Adora tells Camille that she was always a willful child and recalls a time when Camille cut her hair short instead of letting Adora put it in curlers. Camille seemed uh, like she did not remember this event and was trying to clarify that Adora was thinking of Anne, but Adora spoke over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure what this might mean, but Adora is so protective of Bob Nash and so against Camille talking to him. Is this a sign that she knows more about the murder than she lets on, or maybe just a sign of how Adora is such a terrible mother that she automatically attributes any negative story about a young girl to her own black sheep daughter? Uh, uh, the former might be the case. You yeah, know, she does rush in there when she's talking to Bob when she's interviewing him. Right, and she rushes in to break that up. It is it is suspicious as hell, and, and also she uses the police chief to to that do she that. Has so some don't sort of improper relationship with right. Um, she's very much a woman in white throughout most mm-hmm, of these episodes. Mm-hmm. I the finger is pointing at you, Adora. Uh, let's see, Scott B. Uh, perhaps this this is also this is stuff that's new. Uh. Uh, after the episode from this weekend. Uh, Wind says, I came close to actually enjoying this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to to put it. Uh, We already had a lot of background in everyone, so not a lot of character stuff, but a lot of things just interesting to watch, like who knew Alan sleeps with the pullout and jerks off the album covers. So maybe album, we're both okay. right. Yeah, yeah, we're both They're right. Mostly album covers, but maybe <laughs> one like mag. I, I know that magazine was in the words on one of those covers. Uh, I had yeah. to reverse to look for a taste of honey cover, seeing glimpses of drugged up happiness and Camille. I was glued and fascinated with that whole performance and the push pull of staying or leaving the whole episode. Maybe for the first time, having people tell her outright to leave, Alan, Adora, even Eileen, a little bit, and people outright beg her to stay. Maybe for the first time, actually giving as good as she gets, even if it's only to Alan. Do you... Are, are they telling us with Adora looking in on her daughters that Adora is going to let Camille stay? Or is she even more concerned that they're starting to ally and she wants Camille gone more than ever? Yeah, I think there's going to be some fierce backlash next, yeah. next episode. Yeah, interesting. I, I think Adora is going to do her damnedest to get Camille out of there immediately. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. And to she see. won't do it directly because she's a coward. Yeah. Uh but she will manipulate see. Camille. Do you want to end up like her sister look your sister look at her. She's ruined herself. Blah, I make Yeah. Which I could actually see pushing Emma into cutting because she is so fucking like she is such a self-destructive react or in a self-destructive reactionary phase as with a lot of these kids i could see her doing that just to piss her mom off yeah uh cape gabe from the forums uh poor alan needing his record collection to fulfill his needs no wonder he spends eighty thousand dollars on it uh-huh like it's his only it's his only source of pleasure in in so many ways it's like the people who buy real dolls right it's an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money but if that if you're gonna do it you I know mean, and the other thing is like once you justify do it in style. five thousand dollars for a sex doll i bet it gets yep. easier to justify the second one absolutely <laughs> i want to burn that to add to my collection yeah i thought the blonde would do me for the rest of my life but it's just five yeah you know i mean the accessories yeah they're expensive oh yeah um I because it's impossible to buy clothing sides in like forty eight to <laughs> fifty six or whatever right. the fuck these women With are constructed quadruple in. H's or exactly something. exactly and you know those motherfuckers don't know how to sew. Uh, <laughs> I hope in the last few episodes Alan discovers the internet. 
Yeah, yeah. Adora doesn't allow internet in Wind Gap. She's got. She's. No. She's. Can you know the dome that uh, that 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 showing that she's like currently constructing a Faraday cage over the over the town to keep it from happening. Yeah. Um. Rich B, although I thought the show has looked great all along, this is the episode where the cinematography really leapt out at me. Mm. The colors and feel are absolutely brilliant. The photography adds so much to the mood of the show without distracting and calling too much attention to itself. Totally blown away by some of the sequences tonight. Amy Adams in the scene where Camille was high was so convincing. Yeah. That little high smile she had where it looked like she was feeling no pain, it looked so real to me. Most of the things I've seen her do have been things like the DC movies, and I liked her, uh, but didn't have an idea of her range. She's hitting on all cylinders here. It's a masterful performance. I won't be surprised if she wins an Emmy. Hmm. hmm. I haven't really... Eva- okay, so this show's got a lot of good things going for it for Emmy bait. It's got a major motion star mm-hmm. who is coming back to the small screen, which is becoming more and more of a thing, but it still impresses the, uh, the voters. Uh, it's about like a very particular portrait of like extreme pain which they also mm-hmm. like and it's on hbo the granddaddy of prestige networks and until hbo doesn't get the most number of emmy nominations i'll just assume they will until again the the what's that fucker's name that's taken over stank stanky stanky and, until stanky the new ceo of hbo oh. and netflix is at the hell and back and they <laughs> right. lose their you know they lose their yeah but yeah, I, I think you're spot on. Um, I don't care much about the Emmys, but um, I mean, I, I know that this will make some noise come come Baldy time. For yeah, sure. and I think this is you know what the what is it Jean Marc Vallée or something is is the person the director the director yeah uh, I think this is one of the things that he's known for right is this kind of flashy's not quite the right word but it's a very style expressive. stylized expressive sort of directing mm-hmm. and you know as much as we said we didn't really see it. In Calhoun Day, right? Um, when he was talking about all that, but right. in, the, in episodes like this, um, and and they they typically in every episode they'll have one kind of vignette like this, right? Where they they really get to show off the cinematography and right. just the the feel, the whole vibe of the show, and it was great. Yeah, and I like in thinking back, like Cal, the Calhoun Day episode did have that kind of express because it was very bright, a little slightly overexposed, kind of like that, like like a really bright August day in the Midwest where it's kind of squinty mm-hmm. and, like, too powerful, but yet there's this undercurrent of darkness, you know, like, how evocative it is when you see Camille, like, wandering through the porn cabin and, to, you know, like, like uh, he's saying uh, Rich, uh, like, as Rich B was saying, like, the whole rolling sequence with the kind of light strobing and flaring and the, the things, it, 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 it does feel, it does put you into those moments and makes you feel yeah. like what it would feel like to, to, to be there uh okay someone who is submitting feedback anonymously says i think it's very important to note to your listeners that the police can't just make a call and get a list of people who have been in for mental health treatment <laughs> is this is this the killer Does the killer write in <laughs> Any rep- Bob, is that you? <laughs> this cannot be used uh, as evidence <laughs> right. in a court of law. Any reputable mental health provider guards their patient privacy beyond even that of normal HIPAA confidentiality, often refusing to release records unless it specifically is they're told uh, that it's okay from a specific person or org to get their records at that particular time and should respond to all inquiries in a manner that neither confirms or denies an individual is ever a patient. I understand the need of fiction to cut corners on realism to move the story along, but I would hate for anyone watching the show to think that acting on their own behalf to 
treat a mental illness would have followed them around as portrayed on the show. When Kansas City makes a single phone call and gets back effortlessly, what should be incredibly hard to find out information about our main character. Uh... In my opinion, it's irresponsible writing, as he could have just asked around a bit and come to the same conclusion without making it seem like checking yourself in for treatment goes on your permanent record. Um, I would. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to gainsay you because I don't know. I mean, I've written hippo. But where's I've, the but? Here no, there's the no but. but. <laughs> okay. I just say, like, from my perspective, it didn't seem that hard to believe that a police officer with a friend on the inside could get that stuff and make I don't think they they that he found out that Camille was admitted to this particular facility at this particular time it's more like he was getting a list of things and making some deductions about it with things that Jackie had already told him to kind of narrow it down but I also know that like uh you know as a guy who's written HIPAA HIPAA compliant software that it's only as strong as the human the the human links that enter the system right because I can write a piece of software that will automatically log you out if you go away if you got a key card on that it can detect your RFID if you step away from workstation instantly lock down I can make it to where it resets your password every two weeks you got to come up with a new cryptographically secure password I can't keep you from taping that shit onto a monitor and I can't keep you from blabbing to your cop friend uh, that you owe a favor to, and mm-hmm. but I, I don't I I I I'm, I'm caught that like this anonymous point well taken. I don't think that should ever deter people from getting help because what are the odds that a police officer is going to get a personal interest in you and start like like running that stuff down? Yeah, I also think it's weird that this show puts the hotline for like abuse, like self harm and suicide at the very end of the episode after the credits. Mm. Like to me, um, if they wanted to put, I I think that's great that they include that information because this show has got to be triggering as fuck. (laughs) And, and, or if you're going through a hard time, like it almost, I could see a teenager romanticizing this Mm -hmm. as like, Oh, well this is, this is how I need to do my life. So it makes sense. Um, I kind of wish they'd put that right after the content advisory. Like HBO Static, content mm. advisory, here's how you get help, and now we're going to traumatize the fuck out of you. But before, be, you know, we're going yeah, right. to tell you how to get help before we do that. I think they should, maybe they can do that, but also I feel like maybe before the credits roll, like the episode ends, you don't go immediately to the name of the director or whatever. You go immediately right. to the hotlines. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, putting. Yeah you know, gambling helpline in sure. the elevator at the casino as you're leaving, right? Because right. God damn it, I just lost $5,000 on, right. on one spin. Yeah, yeah. I'm destitute. How am I going to make rent? Call the fucking hotline. It's, it's right it's, there. It's not even that. It's at it's at the bottom of the staircase whenever exactly. it takes the elevator. Because like, yeah. ooh, how many people watch through all two minutes of the Sharp Objects credits? No, hardly anybody, I imagine. Yeah. Like, you either probably fast forward to get to the I was really digging week. the song this week, so I did. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, not Yeah, and we're weirdos, too, because I'm usually finishing up my notes or what all that. But right. like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like they should have uh, used the real estate a little bit better. Um, but I don't know. Like, if I'm, I guess... I guess I I would if if this is more ironclad than I'm thinking I'm anonymous then then I sh- I would like to hear back from you but I just feel like uh yeah it's it's scary what people can do and uh, and uh you know what's that the human engineering social engineering is a mm-hmm. real thing yeah 
Jamie M., I am a 38-year-old female without kids. And the whole situation where the former cheerleaders are basically telling Camille that she isn't <laughs> really a woman and cannot really have feelings about certain things because she doesn't have kids mirrors real life. Women absolutely act as though they are superior to other women or try to make you feel as though you should be ashamed because you have kids and they don't. I even had one woman tell me that she feels sorry for me because if I even try to have kids now, they will definitely have physical or mental disabilities, and I missed out on everything worthwhile. My life is meaningless. Uh, Jesus Christ, Jamie, that is rough. Just tell them you're having enough for for the rest of us. Right, right. Uh, I love how the conversation took place shortly after women all agreed that feminism means having choices. Mm -hmm. I could rant about this for another few paragraphs, but it's a terrible thing for women to do to each other. And it's another good example of how even people that suffer under the yoke of a system of control that does not benefit them can sometimes be the chief enforcers of that system. You know, look at uh, oh shit, uh, uh, look at Samuel L. Jackson character's character yeah. in like Django Unchained, for example. Uh-huh. Um, also, I believe they heavily hinted that Adora has or had Munchausen by proxy. Oh, uh, we're on the same go. wavelength here, Jamie. And that is what uh, killed her other daughter. Shortly after Jackie told Richard when she asked how the girl died that Adora wouldn't allow them to carve up her little girl. So there's no autopsy. Richard tells her how Camille's roomie at the institution killed herself via drinking poison. Mm-hmm. As if to underscore the point. The two leading reasons a mother would do this for is for attention and to have people feel sympathy for her and to tell her what a good mom she is for taking care of her sick child. Yep. Totally. But how does that line up with the murders? <laughs> There's definitely no poisoning happening there. Is she it, not involved in those murders? I don't know. I guess I guess if on some level you ch- kill your child with poison, that it would probably be easier to kill others' children for mm. and and especially like you take this per like like from Adora's perspective, we see her like take this like down. This mother has a Down syndrome uh, child under her wing, like let her on the front porch, and it's a big show because Adora doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could totally see her working with the underprivileged outcasts and tutoring them, and then you know making sure they have problems and sick- just so she can be like, oh, you know, bless their heart and all that stuff. I don't know. It could be another sick mm-hmm. extension of the Manjowsen. Um, and also, it'd be interesting if Adora didn't actually have a hand in their her, their killing. It just she seems guilty as fuck for all the other stuff she's done. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Doctor Cynthia is a psychotherapist and a specialist in treatment of personality disorders. Oh boy, she says I'm regularly annoyed at how inaccurately they're portrayed on TV and movies. It's refreshing to see how authentically narcissistic yeah. and borderline disorders, as well as self injury, are written in sharp objects. Yeah. Got a lot to say about this, but I want to zero in on Aaron's comments or questions at the end of the last podcast about how much the narcissist is aware of their own machinations and what could be going on in Adora's mind when she tells Camille, I never loved you. First, I must point out that narcissists do seek out psychotherapy and often due to profound depressive symptoms that are not biologically based, but related in a deep sense of isolation and rage. Their intense need to be idealized is made worse by their inability to have meaningful connections with others. The breakthroughs in psychotherapy come when a narcissist is able to recognize that nobody authentically loves them because anything that seems like love is a result of their manipulations and coercion. Hmm. They also recognize that they do themselves do not have the capacity to love others. Uh, so interesting. Are you um, telling me that Adora doesn't love Alan? Come on. Well, I also like because I'm wondering from her perspective as a doctor, because like I, I guess I was under I've always been under the impression that these borderline personality types are 
very resistant to psychotherapy. Not, and I shouldn't say that they're resistant to going because, like most of the narcissists I know in my own life, have, have tried therapy several different times. It's just when you get to the phase of like, well, all these problems of your own creation, the narcissist runs like that for like their ass is being caught on fire <laughs> because like that realization is in itself too painful to for them to bear i guess but again i'm not a i'm not a, a trained clinical psychologist yeah it seems um, like is it she that she, wrote in yes okay I believe. Uh, she seems to say that they're not immune to it but i, I wonder like what's they're... the treatment like what's the prognosis of that is it low is like does it because like i mean the fact that they could have a breakthrough i think is is like new information to me and i thought that was kind of interesting uh, I believe Adora is self-aware enough that she has come to terms with this and therefore believes telling her daughter, I never loved you, is a gift that should set her free from the delusion that she can ever be authentically loved. Adora herself knows nobody will either ever love her either. This is the truth that allows her to survive and gives her the rationalization for all of her other behaviors. Don't get me going on the fine line between narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorders, <laughs> which are sociopaths, dot, dot, dot. Oh, no, please do get going. I think this is the <laughs> podcast to get get going. In fact... Um, we actually work uh, on the same floor as a clinical psychologist, and I caught her in the hallway, and she we were talking about because she's writing a book, because um, she's like um, you know really involved in this ketamine perfusion ketamine perfusion therapy. Yeah, it's for your hair, right? Make it smoother. <laughs> no, it's oh, okay. uh, it's it's to treat uh, severe PTSD and uh, other ah, anxiety based traumas. I was thinking keratin. They and use I, that for PTSD too, right? <laughs> right. And she's she's talking about going like, and I, you know, because I'm wrapping up the Kickstarter, writing a book. So we kind of, and I, I mentioned the sharp objects and like narcissistic borderline personality disorders, and I kind of had her half talked and then maybe like watching a couple episodes and like coming on and talking about the podcast for her uh -huh. in the next couple of weeks. But 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 we'll see because I, I think that shit's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Bird says Willis is indeed getting warmer, whether it's exactly the way Jackie means or not. He's getting deeper and deeper into bed with this dumpster fire for town. <laughs> and it's a matter of time before he gets truly burnt. It may be only the way mm. he, the only way he has the chance of solving the case. The murders of Anne, Natalie, and the young lesbians that Camille mentioned probably weren't all committed by the same person, but I think Adora engineered at least Anne and Natalie, her motive being to protect her golden child and maybe the others. I want to think Alan committed at least one of them at her behest. He, was potent. <laughs> he has a potent combination of austere and creepy this episode, although admittedly a little soft for a killer. One of the girls parked the bike on the lawn, and she was like, oh, that does not make a scene, but yeah. let her know how you feel with with this knife. Right. Here you go, and Alan. He, he gets out the, the meat cleaver. <laughs> right. Yes, dear. Uh, <laughs> perhaps that makes sense if Adora has him cowed that such that he'd kill for her, but if that were true, I think he would have attended to Camille's eviction on the first ask. I don't think Alan she would is just, the murderer. She would just show up in the pig lagoon, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I Yeah, I don't think so either. No, I'm leaning far away from Alan in this because he's just too nothing. Yeah. He's 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 nothing, man. I feel like it's very easy to figure Alan out. He's kind of yeah. like there. He's a he's an open book kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there's that much depth to that file. But we'll see. Johnny Truant from the forums. It's interesting to see that Jackie is leaving flowers or daisies at the memorial saying that they are what little girls like to draw. We'll later see the same type of flowers and design used to identify Ann Nash's bike. I don't even know this with this show anymore. Mm. Everything feels like a red herring. Yeah. I didn't even make that connection. Uh, huh. Are we? I, I, Jackie's the one we know the least about, yeah? Yeah. Which is how you would want to keep it going into an episode seven. The thing is, is like, I don't know that a person that close to the murders would be this chummy with a cop. 
Like, this is some real Keep serial killer close and your enemies taunting closer. the police with letters kind of territory. She's got her hand on his thigh. She's flirting. She's spilling tea on Adora and Camille. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she's spilling the tea just because she's, she's, it's, it's, it's spicy tea and she's just super drunk. She just, she's yeah. not spilling so much as just sloshing tea everywhere. <laughs> Uh, Sarah Tuga from the forums. Uh, I know that they have to keep up with the dramatic tension, but when Jackie tells Detective Willis that he's getting warmer in regard to suspects, why doesn't he sit her the hell right down then and there and say, <laughs> what the fuck do you mean when you say that? I'm trying to solve yeah. a double homicide of two teenage girls, so if you're telling me you know who did it but are withholding information or evidence, cough it up, you delightful, gorgeous floozy you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I do think that everybody in this town is is not quite pushing as hard as they should be. Yeah. Including Camille. Like, Camille right. seems to back down on on Ashley. She yeah. seems to back down on a lot of people where, okay, maybe I can understand her stuff, but Willis, you're right. Willis should be in there kicking kicking through doors and, and sitting people down, interrogating people. Like, But on the other hand, this is all like, kind of hearsay and drunken hearsay at that so if he pushes too hard and they just like i don't know what you're talking about i recant like the other thing is i got the impression that the stuff he's talking to jackie about is about camille in large part yeah so like it's not about the investigation per se it's about figuring out that family which may yield benefits to it but i I don't when jackie says you're getting warmer i don't think she's necessarily means getting to the bottom of who killed ann and natalie Mm. I could be wrong. If I watch that scene again, maybe they did shift the focus. But I, I thought it like the whole reason he's fucking with Jackie this episode is to get information about Camille. Um, but anyway, Anna seems to have the most power out of everyone in this town. Saratoga continues. She does whatever she wants, whenever she wants, and everything seems to fall at her feet. I think she's playing every person in town like a fiddle, including Adora. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's very Cartman. Uh, on the Jerry Springer show. It's my hot body. I'll do whatever, whatever. I'll do what I want. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, except for, like, scarier than Cartman? Uh, <laughs> in some ways. In I some think ways. so. I think so. Um, GHM from the forums. Did anyone get the impression that maybe Emma got Ashley to do something fucked up? Maybe assistant murdery type fucked up? She says near the end of the episode that she can get girls to do what she wants, but she can't get them to like her, which may explain her attitude to her at the party and possibly be connected with the blood stain that Ashley found. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's certainly a thread that is designed to be connected. But is it a red? Mm-hmm. Is it a red threading? <laughs> a thread herring? I don't. That that's the thing about the show. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Because. Ain't no way Ashley doesn't have anything to do with anything if she's cleaning up blood stains and has a chunk out of her ear. It's not happening. Uh, C-Drive, also from the forums, and I believe this is, yes, this is the last feedback we have. I believe the kids nowadays call it power flipping to follow Oxy with MDMA. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not down. I, I, uh, and then you shove a Tide Pod in your ass and call it a day. <laughs> right, and then it's power Tide flipping, or I don't know. I mean, I've, I've got a very... Fuck? What the fuck, kids of 2018? I've got a very clear, bright, no opiate line. So yeah. I, people can power flip if they want. I would highly encourage them not to. But Especially if you're like a 34-year-old alcoholic. Because yeah. that might just do you in. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, to do that after starting your day waking up out of bed swigging vodka to getting mm-hmm. picked up and getting golf carted while drinking to a day drinking event, I agree with Jim's hunch. I don't really see Camille making it out. She's <laughs> self-destructing. From what her editor said, she wasn't going so great prior to this assignment, and the environment is accelerating her descent. We didn't talk about that, but I also felt like I got a little bit of a wrinkle of the editor. Like, the fact that mm. her his wife picked up the phone and it seems like she has a personal relationship with Camille, I now... I don't know what I'm to make of that. Like, I think she's more worried just that he's pushing her too hard for perhaps the wrong reasons, and it's less about... Like, I don't think there's any trace of her actually being jealous of Camille anymore. Nor do I think that her editor is hitting on her at this point. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I... The whole situation, the whole setup in that scene is weird. So Camille calls up. This guy should be at work. He's not. He's at home. He's laying under a blanket. He's swigging down the last of a massive beer, Mm -hmm. and he's handing it to his wife and saying, essentially, get me more. And she says, fuck you. And she says, get it yourself. She doesn't say, Mm -hmm. you're sick. You're home from work. You need to be resting. Don't drink your fucking beer all day. She says, get it yourself. Right. So it's like, what is the what is going on here with this guy? No man, like he's either I think it, it, he's either on kidney dialysis or cancer. If he's on kidney dialysis, I don't know why he's drinking You're tall boys. Beers. So like I think he's got cancer that Camille doesn't know about. Uh-huh. Um but I also think it's so funny because there's so many boundaries being crossed and episode by episode that I barely even noticed the fact that like his editor, her editor telling her this young female a baldy story about his, like, even if it's in jest, that's wildly inappropriate to do as a mm-hmm. manager. Uh-huh. So, like, this show, like, I have yet to see a boundary be put and respected or, like, some boundaries you don't have to put. They're just there because of the position that you're in. Like, sure. you know, investigators probably shouldn't fuck journalists that are, investi- that are mm-hmm. also investigating in crime. Uh, police chiefs probably shouldn't have late night tryst with the town, which... Uh, you know, Jackie probably shouldn't put her thighs on detectives. <laughs> she put her, her thighs put her th- on him. She did. Whoa. The hand on the thigh wasn't enough, so she's going thigh on thigh action. He, she was I getting was... a legit. <laughs> he was getting a legit lap dance, wind uh-huh. gap lap dance, the wind lap they call it. Uh, the kids call it wind lapping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go right from power flipping the wind, the wind, the wind. Uh, fuck, I can't even. Th- yeah. I can't even think of what I was doing. What I, I've lost the joke I was trying to make. Then it's time to end the Which podcast. means it's time to end the podcast, as Jim Jones has observed. Uh, the time is get the hell out of here o'clock. Uh, thank you for joining us for our sharper, uh, our sharp objects, our sharper. I just want to always, it, it could be sharper. It, it's going to get sharper. The I, last I'm hoping two by episode eight we have the sharpest object, mm-hmm. um, but we're working on sharp objects. Thanks for listening to our coverage. Thanks for all the great feedback. We're getting a lot of cool perspectives, and this has been a lot of fun to cover as a result. We'll be back next week with another podcast right on time, and we'll be talking a little more about Castle Rock. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.